All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. My name is Matt Hines. I'm excited that you are here. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. It is uh, Thursday, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. We are here every week uh, with new episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio, talking some of the best and brightest minds in B2B. If you are watching us live, hi. It's uh, first uh, first episode of July of the second half. Carla, it is, it's the second half of the year. I don't know what just happened. I blinked and... Uh, it's July already. It's Q3 already, but we're here. I, I fell uh, off the cliff. I fell off the cliff of the first half of the year. <laughs> I don't know what happened, um, but all of a sudden it's warm and it's beach weather and I'm here for it. So uh, thank you, everyone, if you are watching live. If you're watching this live, this is your chance to be part of the show. We'll bring your questions and comments right on the screen. If you have a question for our guest today, feel free to ask that and we'll throw that in as well. Uh, if you're watching this on demand, thank you. If you're listening to this through our podcast, thank you so much for downloading for subscribing we are getting close to 300 episodes of sales pipeline radio and if you like what you hear today and want to hear past episodes they will all be available all currently available on demand at salespipelineradio.com very excited we did this a couple weeks ago carla as a uh sort of a, just a, a, a linkedin live session but had to get you onto the pipeline radio show as well carla johnson thank you so much for joining us today hey thanks matt it's great to be here great to see you again it is. It's fun. It's just, I, I look forward to seeing you and others like in person. Like it's someone told me the other day, they said like, I, I've enjoyed like getting like the virtual cocktail kits to be able to make in Zoom. But what I really want is someone to make me a dirty martini. So like the fact that we can start to get out and do conferences and have, have somebody else do the work. Yeah. Have someone else do the work, have an event sponsor pay for the drink. It's going to be great. Um, so Carla, we've known each other for a long time. You, you've been someone that I've followed. Uh, your content, your your insights have been phenomenal. I live vicariously through your international travel. Uh, I think you spent a year with at least a year with your family in Spain, which yeah. looked amazing. Um, and very excited about this new book. So new book, and we'll put a link in the notes for the show today. Uh, Rethink Innovation uh, is now out uh, from all the places that you buy books, including the tattered cover bookstore. So here's what I love. On your website, you have links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google. Yeah, fine. Please talk about Tattered Cover Bookstore and why that's so special to you. That uh, ta So Tattered Cover Bookstore is an independent bookstore here in Denver. And I'm a huge supporter of bookstores, but especially independent bookstores. And I've been a customer of Tattered Cover Bookstore for many years. We lived in Denver over 20 years and I've been a big fan and spent many hours browsing their aisles. So I always encourage people... Um, first to buy the books, you know, buy, buy books, but also whenever you can to support those independent retailers. And when you're perusing those aisles, this, this, let me get on camera. This is the book you're looking for a bright tangerine cover. Um, but I, you know, I know there's a, a lot of independent bookstores out there in the country and, and uh, their sales matter a lot too. So I wanted to give my hometown favorite, the tattered cover, a big shout out. Their sales matter, and I just, you know, I, I love supporting local businesses, and you go into a bookstore like that, and if you're not sure what to read, ask someone a question. Like, it's so much better than just doing keywords on Amazon or going into Google or even finding lists of what other people like. Like, every one of us has yeah. a unique set of, like, fiction, nonfiction, all of the above. Build a relationship with your local bookstore, and it could be the best source of curated books for you and just the experience and satisfaction of book reading. Um yeah. 
can't recommend it highly enough. All right, so why this book next? And I we're going to get into a little bit of talking about sort of innovation and sales. I'm excited for that. But just in general, talk a little bit about the impetus for this book and some of what people are going to get when they read it. You know, it's interesting, Matt, because I've, I've talked along the way that this is a book that took me five years to write. And who would have known five years ago that this would be a time when we have to rethink pretty much everything we do in business today and the ideas behind them. So I think that the timing for this book and rethinking innovation and our definition of it, what it looks like, especially outside of the traditional innovation labs, innovation groups and, and things like that is so important right now. Because really what I found when I was doing research is that 90% of innovation for a company happens outside of a traditional product and service innovation group. So if that's the case, we're looking at a lot of people like you and I and in marketing and sales and other parts of the group who really are these idea people driving change and figuring out what customers need and want and how to deliver it right now. And I think that's what matters so much right now as we look at you know, that coming out of COVID, what does a post-COVID world look like? And also, you know, for our employees and our sales teams who are delivering on all of those promises that we make as marketers, how do we make it come true? And in ways that really do satisfy and actually delight customers. Yeah, I, it, one of the, uh, there's a number of things and we're not going to have time today to get into it. If you haven't read the book yet, get a copy, your five-step framework for connecting the dots on innovation and sort of helping people sort of take, create ideas, capture ideas and bring those to reality is, is phenomenal. Can you talk a little bit about, I think a lot of people when they think about innovation ideas, like capturing ideas, being creative, brainstorms, important. But like, how do you land the plane? Like, I think there's a lot of times people say like, innovation's great, but not if you can't do something with yeah, exactly, it. Exactly. So like how, what's, you know, how do you recommend people sort of balance like continual ideas with actually sort of operationalizing that innovation? Absolutely. And I think one of the misconceptions about innovation is that it has to be incredibly complex. And that's the first thing I want people to rethink is that it doesn't have to be this big behemoth that's time consuming, expensive, complicated, and all of these things that makes people really want to keep it at a distance. It, it can be something very simple that as long as you have practiced the process of coming up with an idea that's great and being able to understand it, you can put it into play very quickly. And that's the idea of this process is to say, you don't have to totally disrupt your world to be an innovator. You can start out with something as simple as observing the world around you. And in the book, I talk about examples of people who have um, hobbies or look at other uh, industries and different things that just interest them, you know, different brands, different topics, different things, and how they're able to use the perpetual innovation process to observe it distill what actually makes it work. So you're not trying to copy and paste something that another brand has done. Take those aspects and relate that into your own brand, your own work, and then start to generate the ideas and then pitch them so people say yes. You know, whether that's a salesperson purchasing uh, pitching a new process or a new concept or a new whatever to a customer, or you're just trying to get a new idea within your own company, how you approach something. And I think that's the biggest thing is that if we just become more observant of what interests us and how things work in the world around us. It's not that you have to add innovation as another thing that you have to do in a, you know, in a world that's already busy and full of things. 
it's something that you naturally start to bring out in how you're already thinking. And many people say the ideas are the easy part. It's the execution. That's the hard part. And I beg to differ because I think the reason execution is hard is because those ideas aren't good to start with in the first place. And, you know, it's, it's hard to implement crap and there's a lot of really crappy ideas out there. It's hard to implement crap. That is your tweetable moment so far from this episode of Sales Pipeline Radio with my guest, Carla Johnson, uh, author of the new book, Rethink Innovation. Definitely check it out, carlajohnson.co. Learn more about Carla, learn more about the book. Find the link to Tattered Covered Bookstore. Make sure you buy the book there. Um, we were talking before we got started about innovation in sales. This is a Sales Pipeline Radio show. Um, and I think we, we, I mean, how many, how many times have you heard the phrase, the buyer has changed or the buying process oh, yeah. has changed? So, so, and I think it's true. We've heard a lot, but it's true. But sales hasn't changed as much as we'd like to think that it has. And you, you brought up some new insights from Gartner that I think really sort of bring that to bear. Yeah, there's a research that came out from Gartner. I think it was about a, a month ago. And I was talking to Brent Adamson and, and saw his presentation and, and he talked about the, the research and it's something like there's a 43% gap between how customers say they want to buy and how brands are allowing them to buy. Now there's always that, that company, that head of sales, um, that product or whatever that seems to justify, well, my customers do have to talk to me. They do need to go through this process. They do need to fill in the blank with any excuse you can come up with. And, and I think sometimes the more complex the product, especially in B2B, the more those chief sales officers are saying, you know, these buyers cannot buy without me in the process. But the research that Gartner is showing is that customers may not currently be able to buy without actually interacting with the salesperson but they want the ability to buy without interacting with the salesperson. Now, chief sales officers out there, you can justify all you want about why these customers need to talk to you first. However, you are forcing them into a buying process that they do not want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And you can do that for as long as you want. However, there will be someone who comes along and provides them that sales experience that allows them to buy without talking to a salesperson. And then you know what? you're gonna go, whoa, how did that happen? That's yeah. disruptive, that's innovation. Like, how did we not see that coming? This is your opportunity to look down the road and know what's going to happen because either you can deliver that experience as a sales profession or somebody else will. And, and Brent talks about the, the bigger the gap between mm -hmm. what a customer wants and the experience, especially a sales experience that a brand is delivering, the bigger the opportunity for another provider to come in and disrupt what that looks like. And that's, you know, that's called innovation. And, and lots of times we say, you know, brand uh, industries just completely got their rug pulled out from under them. Well, here's the chance to take a good look at that rug. I have a professional crush on Brent Adamson uh, going back to the challenger sale. Um, got to spend a fair amount of time with him at CEB. Um, yep. and just super smart guys, just a super awesome guy. Nebraskan. He and I are, are both from Nebraska. So we have a lot of bonding over that. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yep. so the, you brought up something that I wanted to dig into a little further, the, the relationship between innovation and fear, right? Because I think innovation is change. Innovation requires a little bit sometimes of a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. And so even if something isn't working the way you want to, sometimes people will stay doing things that aren't optimal because it is comfortable, because yeah. the alternative is scary. The alternative 
isn't as well known or isn't as proven. And so I think this relates to sort of this innovation and sales challenge. It's like, hey, listen, I know how to have an SDR team follow up on leads. I know how to give my SDR team a script and then hand things off to an AE and do my ratios and my spreadsheets and do my predictable revenue. And I know how to do that because that's what we've always done. The alternative is scary. Talk yeah. a little bit about like how fear plays into innovation or keeping people from being innovative and how do you break through that? Yeah. And I, and I think that big gap in fear is because it is a lot, a lot that has to do with storytelling because there's this, uh, I guess, cliff between what the future is going to look like and, and what it looks like right now. And people mm -hmm. don't know how to tell that story between even salespeople. And I think this is what gets salespeople caught in a commodity conversation that trips them up as in, you know, they're always competing on price mm -hmm. is because they're not able to tell a bigger story or a story that helps people understand mentally how to bridge where they are right now with a, a potential future and, and what that future looks like, that future potential. And with the, the process that I put together in the book, one of the things that I really focused on is how do you tell the story of an idea? How do you tell the story of change and where the inspiration for that idea came and where it can lead people. Because I found it's that middle ground, kind of the hammock between the inspiration and the vision that really trips people up and drives that fear about trying something new. Mm -hmm. And so if you start out looking at what inspires you and, and you go through the process of really distilling what is it about that experience, that um, brand, that, um, you know, whatever it is, and relating that into your work and understanding how that sparked a new idea that you generated, your pitch is really just the process of telling that exact story. And the more you can connect the dots very clearly between what inspired you to try something new as an idea and how it relates to the work that you do, the more that you have scraped away risk which makes people's fear start to come into check and, and be more manageable. And I think that's one of the big um, issues that people have that they don't realize in trying to try something new is that they're not mentally connecting the dots through a story about the idea that helps people get have context and understanding and, and yeah. see that it's probably not nearly as risky as the first pass or perception of it actually is. Just a couple more minutes here on Sales Pipeline Radio with our guest, Carla Johnson, the author of Rethink Innovation. And I want to talk about or have you talk about um, how to create a culture of innovation on your team. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, it's one thing to sort of talk about how you individually can do it. And I think, you know, if you've been around the block a few times to say, OK, I've got the political capital here or whatever to say I'm going to do this. But just because someone is new to the organization, just because someone is new in the early in their career doesn't mean they're not don't have the ability to be creative. They might be better because they don't have the baggage the rest of us do right. <laughs> having seen all the things. And this is the way we sell and whatnot. How do you create a successful operational culture of innovation that allows people to be creative, to innovate, but also helps get more of those ideas into motion? I think the, the biggest thing you have to look at is purpose of the organization. And there's, I know you've seen it, Matt, there's all sorts of research out there that shows that brands that are driven by purpose first, they have um, bigger sales, they have more consistent revenue, they have more loyal customers, they have more innovative employees, they have more engaged employees. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is we may be in sales, but what are we ultimately selling toward? 
it's not just about what we sell, but it's about how we make a difference in the lives of our customers. I think that's the biggest one because once you have that specific North star that everybody points toward, there's less friction in an organization. Now notice I didn't say there's no friction, right. but there's less, you know, there's, there's less friction because everybody is at least pointing in the same direction. And once you have that into play, then you're able to start figuring out some of these, these problems from everybody is here working toward the same outcome internally. You know, then, then you have, you know, I was talking to somebody in finance the other day at a, at a company and they were saying, I now understand how I can stay out of, you know, out of the way of marketing and sales and not be a barrier to the mm -hmm. exact things that they are supposed to do as a, as a department and now start to become an enabler. And, and that was built on understanding the purpose of the organization. Yeah. And that right there, when you can start to become an enabler of, of marketing and sales and bringing revenue in the door and keeping it, that is a huge, huge first step in developing that culture of innovation. Love it. Well, um, CarlaJohnson.co, go there, learn more about Carla, uh, get some, she's got a ton of great content, great snippets up there. Also, TatteredCover.com. You'll find a link directly to the book on her website, but also TatteredCover.com. Free shipping if you order more than $75 in books, and I encourage you to support local business and uh, appreciate you doing the same. Carla, thanks so much for doing this. I know we did it a couple weeks ago, when the right when the book came out, but excited to get you on, on the radio show as well. Oh, I'm delighted, Matt. I'm a huge fan of your work too. And I always learn something new when we talk. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks everyone for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll be here next week, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. My name is Matt Hines. Thanks for watching and listening to Sales Pipeline Radio.